This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Welcome to episode 418 of the Yellow Water Pod. I'm your host Stefan Mutzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund parting ways with head coach Marco Rose after only one season and whether Eden Terzic is now the right man for the job. For all that and more, <laughs> joins me Matthias Luke, who is recovering from COVID, which is why we're not having a video session right now. Uh, so I don't have to see your sorry face, Matthias. Yeah, n- How are n- nobody needs to see that. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, it's not as bad as it was when I had it the first time. Um, but it's still, meh. You know, I mean, anytime I get sick, it's like, meh. But yeah, it just is what it is. <clears throat> but uh, it's definitely uh, a lot better today than it was just a couple of days ago. So I apologize that nobody gets to see my plague-ridden face right now. <laughs> well, so uh, yeah, uh, this this year should have been an episode, and actually we were supposed to record yesterday, but I wasn't quite sure how you were feeling, so I, you know, backed off a little and tried to give you the time to recover because the season is over and we don't have to rush anything. Um, so this episode was supposed to be about the very emotional send-off of Michael Zorg and Marcel Schmelzer, first and foremost, and, uh, you know, various other players. However, uh, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how, how you woke up to the news, because we both live in the United States, so I most definitely woke up to the news, and I was just glancing at my phone, and I thought maybe there's a news about uh, Charlie Oshan signing with Dortmund so, and I... Had to do a double tag, and then I was uh, very much, very quickly upright in bed, <laughs> uh, reading the push notifications that indeed Borussia Dortmund have parted ways with Marco Rose, and the press release reads as following: This decision is the outcome of an intensive season analysis conducted by Rose, Chief Executive Officer Hans Joachim Watzke, Sporting Director Michael Zorg, Head of License Player Department Sebastian Kehl and external consultant Matthias Sammer on Thursday. And then, quote, The day was not an easy one for all of us, as we all have held each other in high regard and continue to do so. After a season that was unsatisfactory, for various reasons we were forced to conclude that we did not achieve the maximum possible in many areas, said Hans-Joachim Watzke. And that surely is a sentence that we will give a lot of attention to, but I think in equal parts we will give attention to what Marco Rose said next in this press release. Um, And he said, Despite a difficult season with many uncertainties, I was convinced by our path. During our discussion, I developed the impression there was no longer a 100% conviction among all those responsible. We therefore ultimately decided together to end the cooperation. So, yeah, um, that's obviously... A very interesting press release. Then uh, obviously said they, uh, you know, thank each other and are grateful for the uh, partnership. And then the final sentence is: Borussia Dortmund will hold talks about the composition of the future coaching staff in coming days. 
So Matthias, uh, that was, uh, well, not entirely out of nowhere because we all knew uh, that they would have the, uh, you know, sort of season analysis. But nevertheless, um, yeah, what was your uh, first reaction? Well, much like you, I got up nice and early, um, got myself my coffee, you know, let the dogs out, sat down on the recliner and opened <laughs> the Kika app, which is the first thing I do every morning. I don't read social media or the news. I read sports news because that's the least aggravating thing in the world, <laughs> usually. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. And well, I mean, this week it was overall pretty good. And I saw that and I went, I'm sorry, what? And then I went to Twitter and then I went to like, and then it was like, all right, every news source I could find. And obviously everyone just quoted the exact same thing. Everybody had their opinions and analysis about it. And it was shocking and unexpected, though. When I sat back after breakfast um, and copious amounts of coffee, <laughs> I sat to my, said to myself, I'm like, Okay, it's shocking. I have some questions about it. I have some criticisms about it, criticisms even about it. But I can also at the same time see where this decision is coming from. So uh, it went from shock to, hmm, okay. Well, this will be interesting. Good luck, Sebastian Kiet. Um, and that that was kind of how it sank in. And then, of course, you know, I, I had a quick analysis on Twitter, and which is always the smart thing to do at six in the morning, and uh, a few exchanges. So it's it's sunk in now after a few hours, and I have a few thoughts regarding it. Yeah, I don't really know where to begin. So obviously, um, let let's start with the Vatska statement. Um, I think we can all agree that Rose and his coaching staff did not maximize the potential of this team. Even though we can also all agree that it was not a team uh, that was, uh, you know, easily coached. You had a non-existent season preparation, to be honest. You had a million injuries. And uh, you also did not have the squad players that would fit your style of football if you're Marco Rose. So I think everyone quite knows this, but uh, even that all being said, I still think, especially in the cup competitions, um, it was very painful for Borussia Dortmund. And I don't know if the if the cup win by Eintracht Frankfurt, and by the way, huge congrats, I left out a big yell when Boré scored that final penalty, um, whether that put Vatsko and, and Co over the edge, I'm not entirely sure. Um, but um, yeah, let's let's start with that, Matthias, because uh, I I think this is where we probably should start before we talk about you know uh, external communication, etc., and uh, whether now Eden Tesic, who is rumored to take over, really is the right guy. Um, so yeah, season assessment, Matthias. Um, you know, obviously, <laughs> Ruhnach reported that uh, the talk they had only about lasted two hours, which I personally find a bit laughable um, because we all know how, how quickly time moves and we're, you know, doing podcasts and, you know, the amount of content you can churn through in two hours is very limited for an entire season and what needs to be analyzed. Obviously, we know it's not the only get-together they have, but nevertheless, you know, if it's your big... 
uh, end of day season analysis than uh, two hours to me seem a little bit short. Um, uh, but Matthias, uh, now it is up on you to tell me uh, where Marco Rose ultimately in your mind fell short uh, so that in the minds of Dortmund's bosses uh, a continuation was not, um, you know, at 100%. Well, it and Tezic had too much too much success in a too short period of time. Um, <laughs> you think it's that easy? I well, no, obviously not. But I'll be honest: had Lucien Favre not been sacked, and last season kind of petered out, seeing where the trend was going at the time, uh, Dortmund would have finished maybe Europa League, maybe completely out of Europe, and then you know Favre was gone, and then based on that then this season from Rosa looks actually like a complete success. It's like, okay, we've righted the ship a little bit, we're heading in the right direction, and we'll just keep going with this. However, uh, Dortmund made it into the Champions League, won the DFB Pokai with an inexperienced young coach who somehow clicked with a team. Now, granted, there was still Jaden Sancho as part of the team, and we cannot forget him. He's a massive difference maker. Um... It was in a, a weird time, of course, uh, Geisterspiele, all that kind of stuff. But Dortmund weren't facing a huge injury crisis, all that kind of stuff. And I know there are, and, and I've always been an apologist for Marco Rosa because I think he's a very good coach in, in terms of, okay, you didn't really have a true um, summer period to, to, you know, get his ideas across because we had... Uh, the Euros, then you had a lot of injuries, then you had all the COVID outbreaks, then you had more injuries, and he just every week, it seemed like, had to throw together a team. I don't know if more than maybe a handful of times this season, he was actually able to field his starting 11 that he wanted from, from goalkeeper to striker. And so, it was very, very difficult. That being said... I think part of the problem was just inconsistency too much. Yes, it was a record-breaking season. You know, that's the funny thing. Dalton have never scored more goals. They've conceded more, but it's still a bad season defensively. And not all of that is on Tezic, uh, sorry, Tezic, on Rosa, <laughs> but some of it is because the... You, you can't just blame it on needing to figure out your back line too many times because there were plenty of times where at least the central defenders and the goalkeeper were healthy. It was the same three players. Fullbacks were a little bit transitory, but so be it. The problem is the play broke down much earlier than that. The pressing was inconsistent. The team pressing was inconsistent, which would leave gaps open. Yeah, incoherent. Um, yes, and... You also started to see, you know, shoulder sagging again. Now, I'm not picking on Guerrero because he always has a bad attitude, but other players as well. And, you know, you look at, I forget which game it was uh, that you mentioned a few times where there was just a lot of bickering that's amongst the, the team. That's the 3-0 win against Fuert. Yes, that's right, against Fuert. And those are kind of things that... If you juxtapose that to the final, that th glorious three-month run under Tezic to end the season, that didn't happen. That wasn't there. The team was also pressing much better coherently. The automatisms were there. Yes, again, they had Sancho. They were healthier at that time. But 
at the same time, it's not like it was everything was hunky-dory and perfect either at that time. The fullback positions were always in flux, it seems like, for three years at this point. And so I think where Rosa kind of fell flat was too many times the flow during the game didn't work. Um, where you would just leave yourself open time and time again to the opponent. We saw that also under Favre in his last season, or maybe the last 12 months of his tenure at Dortmund. And you, some people say it's down to the players. And I do blame a lot, put a lot of blame on the players. However, if you didn't have that Tezic window in between, it'd be easier to say that because in that window, specifically those two, three months near the end, that was not an issue. So how did it become an issue again? And I think that's where the powers that be, the brass kind of looked at it and went, okay, they, these players can do it differently. So what's the problem? And they must have just come to the, you know, to the idea that, well, it's the coach because we can't forget Marco Rose did choke away a few things with Gladbach in his time there. Um, so we can't completely disregard that. So and, and the fact that Borussia Dortmund looked at it and said, well, we kind of already have the replacement here. Um and and the whole thing, you know, some people, I forget who it was, um, said on Twitter, Ach, Dortmund wasted a year because now they let Rosa go and they had Tezic, you know, it's a wasted year. No, that's simplistic because when they basically announced the hiring of Marco Rosa, you didn't, at that time, Tezic had played a couple of games and they were really bad as coach. So it was 100% the right decision. And when Tezic then ended the season winning, you know, getting in the Champions League and winning the cup, you couldn't then turn around to Marco Rosa, who basically was already out of Gladbach and say, oh, guess what? We're not taking you now. Uh, that that opens huge legal issues at that point. Also with Borussia Mönchengladbach and so on. So it kind of all had to play out the way it did. Uh, the good thing is Dortmund still finished second. And I think what also did him in were just the horrendous cup performances. Just yeah. bad. Just atrociously bad. There is no reason, based on the strength of the squad, that Dortmund, A, shouldn't have at least come in second in their Champions League group. Um, or B have advanced significantly further in the Europa League and not even to mention losing to St. Pauli in the DFB Pokal. You throw all those things together, that's just, that's embarrassing. And going out in cup competitions isn't embarrassing. Going out like that is embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, we've talked plenty about most of these performances, if not all of them, to be honest. And... You know, I'm sometimes torn between is the squad really that bad or was the coaching that horrendous? <laughs> because in, in, in some instances that the the way Dortmund fell apart, you know, just take the 4-2 home loss against Rangers where they were in control without really scoring too many uh, or without without creating too many opportunities, but they were in control. And then I think Zagadou has this one weird mistake where the ball pops against his hand or so, and it's a penalty, right? And then Dortmund just collapse. And um, 
these these are things that, that annoy me to no end. And I'm not sure how much about this is the coach and how much about this is just how the players are. Now, what does irk me about the whole scenario today is that, um, you know, what I really like is consistency on the coaching position. And, you know, whether you talk about the wasted year or not, um, I think it's a big loss for Borussia Dortmund today because um, they said Marco Rose is our guy. And, you know, after one season, which in my mind is not a lot, um, you are now parting ways. Now, obviously, before we talk more about, uh, you know, what Dortmund said and didn't say, um, I find it also very interesting, uh, the, the second quote from this press release is that Marco Rose did not feel the 100% backing. Now, Matthias, when I talk about Marco Rose's season, how I would assess it, um, I, I think in, in many ways Dortmund did overperform results-wise. Uh, throughout their Bundesliga season. I think there were a lot of games that they shouldn't have won, uh, be it in Hoffenheim or uh, against Cologne, uh, etc., or, or even Union Berlin. I think there were a couple of games where then sort of Haaland saved them and whatnot, um, where, where I thought, well, you know, considering how the performances were, uh, the, the fact that they still won the games uh, was kind of intriguing. Um, but I think the overall criticism toward Marco Rose throughout this one season is that at no point anybody could really see a handwriting by this coach. You know, it was always a bit murky and I think in the end it really comes down to team cohesion because it never really felt like the the positional play, the spacing between players and, and the way Dortmund attack and defend in, in the schemes is, is really tuned in. and. Uh, at no point, even when Dortmund were out of all the cup competitions, there was more time on the training ground, I ever got the feeling I really understood what the idea really was. Now, um, based on that, I'll be honest, I'm not 100% backing Marco Rose either. <laughs> you know, just based on my own assessment, I, you know, I don't 100% have the feeling that he's the guy for Borussia Dortmund, but obviously, um, I... I personally, and I'm gonna say it this way, I expected Dortmund to to uh, you know take on the next season with him, and I um, always assumed that uh, you know you should give a manager way more time than just one season, especially um, given how involved he was in in the latest transfers. And you know it's a, it's a massive cut, and so at least you you have a coach to develop and, and help with that. And I thought this would be the right approach for Dortmund to hold on to him. Now, obviously, uh, Dortmund are standing there without Marco Rose. And um, my question to you is, and, and how much you're reading into this, and I think in coming ways we will learn more about what ex actually unfolded on this uh, <laughs> uh, infamous Thursday now uh, during that uh, talk between uh, officials and, and uh, the coach. Um but my feeling is that Marco Rose himself sort of drew a line and, and basically asked for a ride-or-die commitment from the Dortmund officials and didn't quite get that. So I, I feel like he himself sort of said, well, you know what, then I'm out. Um, what are you making of, of it? I can read the quote again if you want. No, I mean, um, yeah, he, he kind of, you know, the statement that he said, I didn't feel like I had the full backing. Yeah. Um, 
and and given the supposed or reported brevity of the meeting in two hours, that maybe he and I've been in meetings like this in my life, professional life, where you sit down, you evaluate performance and how things are going. And, you know, upper management is kind of like, mm, you know, we need to improve some things. And well, what if the person then goes, so are you telling me you don't have confidence in what I'm doing? Do you think I can't do it? Are there any doubts? Whether you ask it that bluntly or beating around the bush and you get the feeling of, hmm, then, then, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Michael was just went, you know what, then forget it. You know, I'm then let's just, let's just end this and part and we can go our separate ways. Um, and obviously Michael Rose isn't stupid because he sees how many coaching vacancies there are in general in Europe right now. Uh, and more to come so that, you know, he'll find a job relatively quickly. Yeah. I think the guy uh, I, who I should no be doubt. most scared right now is Domenico Tedesco. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Marco Rose, as much as I hate RB Leipzig, he's from Leipzig. That's his hometown. Um, that's where his family lives. Yeah, he never, um, he never said roots in Dortmund, which always no. raised an or eyebrow anywhere. for me. Or anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Gladbach as well. I mean, it was always Leipzig's this, home. Uh, shared living situation with yes. uh, Alexander Zickler. Exactly, and which is just the funniest thing in the world, knowing Alexander Zickler as a player in the 90s. Um, but it, so that would actually make perfect sense. I mean, if Ebbe Leipzig has made the Champions League, uh, they disappointed in the Europa League. Ideally, they disappointed in the DFB Cup final. And then maybe they're, they look at it and go, well, we've got this guy from the Red Bull school of thought who plays the kind of football we want and is actually from Leipzig, which from a marketing standpoint, that club or that team, that franchise needs, it needs somebody to anchor it in the community as if it's like always been there, kind of a icky yeah, happy thing. Yeah, happy 13th birthday yeah, to the miscarriage that's exactly. RB Leipzig. Exactly. So I, uh, yeah, I mean, it was calculated. It wasn't uncalculated. I guarantee you, Marco Rosa talked uh, with family and agent. I don't know who his agent is. Um, and went, you know, if this goes south, if I'm not totally happy, and for him to basically make the statement he did, I don't think he was entirely happy um, at the end because I think, this is, I think this is a big gig. true. Because yeah. you could see how unnerved he was toward the end with all the questions and, and all that nonsense. You know, because there was a lot of criticism aimed towards him. I, I think Didi Harman got the most under his skin. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I think uh, that, is, that is correct that uh, he wasn't 100% happy. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I, you know, it, it probably kind of went down like that and everybody went, okay, fine, we'll just move on. Um, yeah, I mean, the good thing is you have two very qualified uh, Borussia Dortmund coaches uh, in the top brass of Borussia Dortmund right now. So worst case scenario, you've got Zama and Terzic to look at. Yeah. Um, both of whom have had incredible success as coaches. Yeah, um, at honestly, Dortmund. I don't see Matthias Zama. No, no, the... I mean, that's that's tongue in cheek. But I'm just saying, uh, it's it's got to be hard for someone like Marco Rosa to sit there across from two coaches who have had success, and he didn't. Um, and it's still successful in the sense that they finished second. I mean, that's one thing I people act as if Dortmund got relegated or they finished mid table. And it's no, like, we yes. Posted yeah. I mean, defensive, defensive. defensively, 
it was not good, obviously. Offensively, it was very good. But the crazy thing is it could have been better. Um, but it was a record-setting year. They finished in second in the Bundesliga. Um, and even under Klopp and Tuchel, their distance between first and second to Bayern at times was significantly greater than it was now with Marco Rose. Um, and you could argue that Dortmund didn't deserve to lose the two matches to Bayern. So, I mean, it's it's a weird season. I think that everybody can kind of agree with that across the board. No matter which country, no matter which club, it's just been a weird season. Um, even Bayern, they're not happy. And they won the title again because, oh, well, you're going to. So... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame. It is a loss. It's not a lost season. Um, it was, it's a shame that it had to come to this because like I said, Marco Rosa, I believe is a very good coach and it just didn't work out. And sometimes it just doesn't work out, but I'd rather it not work out and Dortmund finish second than it not work out and Dortmund have finished 13th. Because uh, we've been there, Stefan. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody brought up um, who was it? Kevin Hatcher on Twitter yesterday or this morning brought up, uh, oh, Pochettino. And then Terry DeFellin said, well, you know, the last non-German speaking coach that Dortmund had was Navio Scala, at which I almost had an epileptic, uh, epileptic seizure when I saw that because that reminded me of 1997. Yeah, I was sure you know, that, that it's, it's hard yeah. to compare those, but yeah. Yeah, but be that as it may, I mean, Pochettino, yeah, that would be amazing, but that's not going to happen. I think... If I was putting money down, it would be in Tazich. You know, that's... Yeah. To not take him would be really weird at this point. No, absolutely. I, I think pretty much Wunderrichten, and I mean, everyone was, first of all, caught by surprise. It wasn't like, uh, you know, everyone and their dog already knew what was going to happen today. Um, but I also think that uh, so far Tazich is the favorite. Now, that being said... It's only Friday, and things can change quickly, and maybe Dortmund come up with a different solution. Because my question to you is now, if you're Eden Terzic, um, will you take this job? Because it's not like uh, Borussia Dortmund the entire time communicated that Eden Terzic is 100% your guy, you know? <laughs> You know, let's let's talk about that communication breakdown a little bit because Sebastian Kier, I think after the, the most recent third game said, quote, that he's expecting Rose to be the coach next season, leaving a little bit of leeway where he then had to go and doppelpass the next day or so and, and rectify the statement saying, yes, uh, we will uh, try to improve upon this season. Um, but I think, to me, it's yet again a problem about how Borussia Dortmund communicate externally. And so my question to you is um, how much of a... How much PR damage is this again for Dortmund? Because, you know, they certainly have to moderate it a little bit better than they're doing right now. I mean, I'll be honest, I don't think there's going to be any PR damage out of this. I don't, I, not, not to a significant degree that it makes any difference. It's the world of football. Worse shit has happened. Um, I mean, if you look at the, 
the fallout with uh, Hütta, Bobic, Eintracht Frankfurt last season, that was significantly more uncomfortable than what this is. I'll be honest, I don't think Kale and Co. went into this meeting with Marco Rosa, the typical after-season analysis meeting that they do every year. I don't think they went into it with the intention of parting ways. I honestly do not think they did. No, they didn't. I, I believe that the tone of the meeting turned at some point and I don't think we'll ever know who was the instigator of it turning and after two hours it was just okay well there's no point let's just end this and which is a real shame because obviously then somehow it either got heated or somebody was just blocking the whole time or I don't know uh, you know I don't know how thin skinned Marco Rosa is uh, maybe he's very thin skinned maybe he's got a massive ego and so any type of criticism internally and he's just like I'm out we've seen plenty of coaches like that and so yeah let's flip that around though uh, <laughs> how, how thin skinned is Watzke maybe maybe Rosa I don't I had some so. postseason thoughts no. on on the squad and how it was put together, and maybe I, he criticized I don't think so the, at all. the higher ups. I, I don't think so at all. I'll, I mean, I know it's in vogue right now to dump on Soak and Vatska, um, which I don't agree with at all. Given what Vatska has been through with this club, I think he's pretty thick skinned um, in that regard. But who knows what tone was taken? But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's completely irrelevant. Uh, the only thing that matters is what the outcome was. And so in terms of, you know, I've seen some takes where it's like, oh, don't want to have egg on their face because they said they're going to go into the new season with, with uh, Marco Rosa and now they fired him. Well, I think until two hours before that meeting, they were going into next season with Marco Rosa. And something happened in that meeting to make everybody go, fine, there's no point. Let's move on. Um, and so they had to make an about turn. It happens. Uh, we also can't forget that, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say Marco Rose left Gladbach high and dry. That's not the case. But he did leave them essentially midseason um, saying, I'm out. And I don't think Abel and Gladbach were 100% sure if that was going to happen. So um, there's probably plenty of blame to go around, and it, it didn't seem to fit for whatever reason. So be it. As far as Eden Tazic, whether he would take the job, yeah. I, I mean, why wouldn't he? He's a, you know, if he's, if, unless he's a petulant child. If he's an adult, which I take him to be a very mature person, then he'll realize that the situation he was in at the end of the season, given that Marco Rosa had already been hired, there was no way the club could backtrack from that. There was just no way legally it would have turned into a complete fiasco. There was just no way to go around that. So I think he'll be perfectly fine. I think also the solution that they moved him off the coaching staff and basically into the front office was 100% the right thing to do because that would have been a massively awkward situation all season long. So I think in that regard, if it's Iden Tezic, I believe it will be Iden Tezic, then I don't think he would have any, any doubt to take over and give it a go. Well, first of all, I think we have to commend Dortmund and Tezic 
first and foremost for not being the num the uh, proverbial Damocles sword throughout the entire period because I thought that uh, Tessic, yeah, you saw him on the stands a couple of times, but overall I thought he was very reserved and uh, I don't remember him giving too many interviews just, you know, immediately after his success, but then, you know, it was very quiet around his persona and I don't think he added any pressure on Rose whatsoever. At least in my mind, obviously maybe internally it was different, but at least externally, um, Eden Tessic was not really much of a discussion, which I think is a very positive thing because this could have been, uh, you know, talk about communications disaster, this could have been uh, handled also very poorly. So I'm I'm glad about that. So now let's talk about Eden Tessic because, uh, you know, obviously, first of all, I'm if, if it's Tessic, I'm just happy for the guy that he gets to uh, coach Dortmund in front of Salt Out Stadium and uh, will have that experience. Uh, you know, just just from from the personal uh, matter, I, I think, uh, you know, it, he got robbed a little bit in the sense that there was not a big celebration afterwards, after the cup win, just because of the pandemic. So in, in that regard, I'm happy. But um, on, on the other hand, I also have a lot of doubts about Eden Tessic, and so has everyone, because, yes, uh, he did have success, he did have results, and... Uh, most importantly, he did form a connection between club and fans as a coach because he's a guy from the area, and I think that's a massive advantage to have. But, you know, my question obviously is, what is the long-term development of Borussia Dortmund? Uh, speaking of tactical cohesion, obviously, uh, uh, what is the Edentastic school of football and how will that propel us to be a very competitive second best or best team in Germany again because ultimately I think this is where everyone uh, wants to be in in Dortmund so um, is he the guy Matthias to to now have this massive task and maybe before I ask this question um, because I, I think it, it's very important is the amount of pressure that would have been on Rose going into this season you know um because of all the transfers uh, and obviously the big rebuild, I think that the the amount of pressure on Rose would have been massive. And had it not gone well when the, within the first three four months or so, um, I could have also seen his second coming. To be honest, I was already thinking about that be before it actually now happened. Um, so obviously that doesn't mean it's going to be much easier for Eden Tessic either because the pressure will be on considering the transfers. Um, so, yeah, what are you making out of this and, and maybe the, the fact that Dortmund very openly communicated how uh, involved Marc Rose was in recruiting the likes of Schlotterbeck and Niklas Zule and selling his and the club's vision to, uh, you know, these high-profile signings that Dortmund uh, so far have made. That's a lot to unpack right there. It is. Um, but we've so, got time. As far as Idin Tazic and his brand of football, um, my hope is, and I don't know this or not, that he also, during this year, expanded his knowledge and, let's say, his uh, philosophical take because he wasn't just thrown in. I mean, you can't forget, he took it over and it was like, here you go, kid. 
good luck to you. Have some fun and don't <laughs> suck. Whereas now he had a year with absolutely no pressure to, you know, it's not a sabbatical in that sense, but to really develop as a coach and as a professional within the footballing industry. Um, so that's the first thing. So I think we'll see it. I think as far as Marco Rose selling, you know, the Marco Rose way and the Borussia Dortmund way and tactically where they're going to these players, if it's Eden Terzic, then I think they'll be fine. You know, more counterattacking, aggressive, pressing, all that, all that, which Terzic already showed is what he likes, which Marco Rose in the good moments of Borussia Dortmund this season, they definitely showed. I mean, they suffocated teams at times, but they just couldn't keep it up. Um, so in that case, I don't think there's going to be much of a, a paradigm shift, not as extreme as it was going from Favre. That was a huge shift uh, to what Terzic wanted. And we saw that for three months. It was uncomfortable at times to watch because it seemed like nobody knew how to press anymore. Um, so that, that in that regard, I'm not worried about it. And Dortmund saying publicly how Rose was involved in especially these three transfers where you think about Adeyemi, Schlotterbeck and Zule. Again, I go back to my point of they were expecting to start the season with him. They weren't expecting to have him to fire him or to part ways with him. And so that's why they naturally did that. Now, the one point you bring up that is extremely valid is the pressure for Rose would be immense because, yes, Holland is gone, but the amount of money that Dortmund is investing in very good, young, prime, and even pre-prime players, if, like you said, it wouldn't click after three, four months, or by November, because apparently November's firing season in Dortmund, yeah. um, just ask Bosch and Favre. It's like November, December. That's a bad time of year. Yeah, Bosch was let go on my birthday, so that exactly. was December. Yeah, and Favre was at the end of November, I believe. It was right around roughly the same time. But then that maybe Marco Rosa went, you know what? If I get let go then, and it's mid-season, I'm not going to find another gig that's worth a dang until the summer, probably. Because I don't think he's a, he's a Feuerwehrmann. That's that doesn't seem his M.O. So leaving now with a much larger field of potential jobs out there makes more sense from a calculated standpoint. Yes. Marco so, Rosa will be the biggest Freiburg fan yes. tomorrow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I think in that regard, that definitely played into it. That's why I could see Marco Rosa going in there into that meeting and if the tone didn't quite reflect what somehow he had in his head that he would go yeah i don't want to anymore we're done here you know and and i wouldn't be shocked by that because everything for me circumstantial evidence <laughs> is pointing that that is the direction it went because all the communication from dortmund was We're moving forward with him. If they didn't have that confidence, he wouldn't have been instrumental in those transfers. He wouldn't have been part of the discussion to the degree that they're saying he was at the time that they happened. Obviously, a coach is always part of the discussion, but Marco Rosa was very involved. And they made a point of letting everybody know at that time that Marco Rosa was very involved. 
or it just, it's not like they put a press release saying, Hey, Michael Rose is very involved, but it organically happened. So, you know, I, I don't think there's egg on their face. I think they came out of that meeting and they, I just mean Borussia Dortmund with surprise as well. I, you know, I don't think this was in any way planned and it just kind of happened that way because the way the, the media operates like when Favre was let go or Bosch was let go or Tuchel was let go, the, there were already rumblings around. There were rumblings there. There was nothing. There's no indication this was going to happen. And so if it's Eden Tazic, I think it also still works with those three specific players, especially Schlotterbeck and Adeyemi, because they're young. And Tazic, we well, could see it. Let's be honest. If we look at the players that were recruited, yeah. I, I almost would say that like 80% of the coaches that Dortmund would hire would be able to work with these players and should be well, able they're to very, very good. Yeah. Yes, yes. You yeah, know, it, it, unless you go like a really high possession style. And then in even yeah. then Zule and Schlotterbeck would still work. It's just Adelimi is more of a counter-attacking player. Correct. And I think that fits the way Tazic also likes to play. Uh, and, and I think that is kind of the decision that Dortmund made you know, 18 months ago where they, you know, when they let go of uh, Favre, that they want to go back to that, to that, like the club DNA. This is what Dortmund is, you know, specifically since the club era. That is what Dortmund became, evolved to uh, over the last 14, 15 years. And so uh, that that's where that would kind of fit. I don't think they would ever go to, you know, a patient passing, probing, 80% possession and three shots on target team. You know, I think they want to continue that more push into being more aggressive. You know, not always entirely counterattacking because a lot of teams won't let them do that. And that'll be the curious thing to watch, how, how that plays out. And I agree with you what you said earlier, you know, question marks behind Tazic, because this would be a different situation. He would be given a full summer prep. There's no tournament. Now, granted, it's still going to be a wonky year because of that atrocious thing that's happening in the winter. Yeah, plus the so, Nations League that's uh, about uh, to occur now. So. I always forget about that because I could not care less. I know, but you know, players, it's still Marco there. Reus, yep. Zule, Schlotterbeck, Zule, Schlotterbeck, Adeyemi. Adeyemi. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're all gone. Um, and, and I don't even know about the Swiss contingent or anything else. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's another weird year, you know, um, still players drop out with COVID, but it, it, that's, you know, I'm not going to say less of an issue, but that's not the main issue that they're going to have to deal with this next season. This next season, it's a wonky calendar is the problem. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. I don't have a lot of confidence in this calendar working out for anybody, uh, not just Borussia Dortmund, but uh, I hope to be completely wrong. Yeah, well, I, just, I don't know. I'll be honest, I'm just flabbergasted by by all of this because I, I'm really shocked. And, you know, sometimes I, I really do wonder if Dortmund, even if they don't have 100%, uh, you know, uh, don't, don't have 100% the conviction that Rosa is the right guy, maybe they should have played the role of doing so because I'll be honest, Matthias, I really wanted to see 
what he can do with the with a newish team and and the the rebuild and uh yeah now we do not get to see this and uh yeah obviously i think i think from the from the press release at least we gauged that it it, it was maybe even more rose than than dortmund who who came to the conclusion uh but at this point we all know very little and uh yeah it's it's just such a weird situation because it it just feels very unnecessary in in my opinion and uh yeah a lot will be made out of this obviously time will tell maybe you know it's it's obviously also a chance because if Dortmund have success with Tersic um then uh he can be the guy for Dortmund for a very extended period and obviously this is now what I'm I'm hoping for but you know first of all I don't quite see it uh I didn't quite see it with Rosie either if I'm if I'm 100% honest but uh yeah, it's it's just annoying because now we have even more uncertainty than we we had before, and it's a it's a massive overhaul uh, as is, and so yeah, obviously I'm really going to pay a lot of attention of what uh, Watzke, what Kill, and I don't know if Talk will say much. I don't think he <laughs> he really contributed that much to to this talk. Uh, maybe even what Zama is saying because I think the communication now from Dortmund and how they will moderate, you know, this transition um, will be very, very interesting. And um, yeah, because to me, it's, I don't want to say it's a fumble. I don't know if egg on the face is the the right thing to say, but I I think people that don't pay really close attention uh, will be irked by this. And I think a lot of people that do pay a lot of close attention are also irked by this. Just because of uh, you know Dortmund officials really do saying that um, Rose will be the guy for the next season, and Rose himself saying that he will be the guy for the next season, and looking forward to it, and you know he uh, Rose saying you know how much he was involved in in the transfers, how he was talking to the players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, yeah, interesting times. Also, Matthias, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this, but. Uh, Dortmund, at least according since, since yesterday, were supposed to sign two players. Now they haven't been officially announced yet. Maybe just because uh, those breaks were very much pumped today. But uh, Charlie Oshan from uh, SFC Köln, uh, supposedly on the verge of joining Dortmund, already did have his medical and his agent Dirk Hebel was spotted in Dortmund yesterday. And uh, the reports are that Dortmund are triggering triggering a release clause and getting the guy for about uh, 5.5 million euros or so. Um, now, since you had about a day to uh, take a look at the player and, and this potential transfer, um, what are you making of that? Not to change the subject, but I, I feel like oh, we're, yeah, we're yeah. pretty much done with the coaching. Yeah, I think we're we're just, we're, we're beating the Rosa horse to death at this point. Um, uh, Sally Uchan, I like him. I think he's a decent player uh, for that price tag. Absolutely. It gives Dortmund uh, more cover in central midfield uh, for a, a player who can work hard, who can play the right pass positionally pretty decent um, and also uh, can can affect the game in forward positions at times and knows the Bundesliga, of course, uh, comes from an aggressive system. 
in Köln, uh, the way it's being played this season. So yeah, again, for 5.5 million, I would absolutely take him. I don't honestly off the top of my head know how old he is, but he's not very old. I know he's that. 24. 24. So I mean, another prime age player. Um, and I can't, I, yeah, no, I think that's a good call. It, it adds more depth, which Dortmund has been lacking. And it's not just, you know, depth for the sake of, sake of depth. It's somebody who can play in the Bundesliga when you need somebody else to take a breather after a Champions League game or in the DFB Pokal and you don't have massive uh, performance drop-offs. So, no, I think it's a, a good deal, especially at that price. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm really excited about this transfer. And here's why, just because of the vibes, first of all. Um, because it feels like a vintage Dortmund transfer that really works out better than everyone expects. Not just because of the low fee, but just because he is, first of all, he's from the player profile, he's a player that Dortmund did not have last season. And desperately needed, in my view, because he can be the number six. Now, he's not an out-and-out number six. Maybe in that case, Dortmund should have opted for Skiri. <laughs> um, but... Um, Nevertheless, he is a very aggressive player. He's, you know, for all intents and purposes, he's like a football terrier, in, in my view, who who stuffs gaps, which is very important, um, who, um, you know, has a good header game, so uh, very, very important when it comes to uh, aerial duels in midfield. And, uh, yeah, he's just also just very resolute in his tackling and... Uh, the way Cologne plays, he has a million interse interceptions, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited about him because um, you know he is a very dynamic player. Uh, maybe maybe if you will, he's the Thomas Delaney replacement. Um, so yeah, obviously I don't know if he's starting material, if it's going to be say an Ushchan Bellingham double pivot going forward, but uh, nevertheless, uh, I think. For that money, um, you know, it's it's an absolute no-brainer. Um, I mean, I think his contract with Cologne was uh, valid for one more year. And, uh, yeah, Cologne fans are really pissed that he is leaving because he's a culture young. He is uh, born and bred in Cologne, and he is, um, you know, I think uh, apart from a, a quick stint at Hansa Rostock, been a, a Cologne player for pretty much all of his life. And uh, from, from the football romantic perspective... Um, if the transfer happens, obviously not ideal for Cologne, let's put it this way, because he is also someone, you know, that adds identity to the team and uh, Cologne obviously very much on the upswing and, and leaving and uh, losing someone like him, uh, certainly also painful for them in the sporting sense. But uh, yeah, for Dortmund, a really great gain because um, they need to fill the number six position. I don't know if that uh, concludes all the business for for potential central midfielders, but um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, Lars isn't here, but uh, for me, he probably would have been in my top three, maybe even top two candidates uh, for, for that position to begin with. Um, I also would have maybe had a cheeky bit on uh, Lucas Tuzar, uh, who's right now playing at Hertha and struggling there, but I still still think you know as a ball hunter and ball winner he has uh, uh, very you know good qualities, but just you know some, sometimes uh, the rest of the team isn't good enough. But maybe I'm I'm overrating him. I'm not entirely sure. 
Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, obviously good news. And then the other news, I think uh, that's probably a bit more certain is that Alexander Meyer, the 31-year-old goalkeeper from uh, Jan Regensburg, um, will now be Dortmund's number two, joining Dortmund on a freight transfer. I would not be surprised if that was going to be announced tomorrow. So, uh, Or who knows when, since I think uh, Dortmund uh, in general are a bit in, in crisis mode right now and maybe uh, their resources are shifting to maybe do find a different coach other than Edin Terzic because obviously that's far from official now. It's just rumors and reports, but, um, you know, it all can change. So, uh, yeah, Matthias, uh, I don't know how much Jan Regensburg you've seen. <laughs> so uh, Not enough to have an opinion at all about the backup goalkeeper. I, I think the good opinion really is it's a guy with you know, a formidable amount of experience, obviously not European or, uh, you know, top class experience, but uh, it's it's someone who does not threaten COVID. And I think uh, right now that's that's also important for for his development. I don't think we need uh, yeah, to, I agree. To, to raise the, the pressure on him. Uh, I, I think a uh, goalkeeper needs trust and uh, certainty and uh, not having someone in his neck all the time. So that's uh, that. That's my assessment for now. Um, obviously, if Kobe, you know, misses games and then we see the performances of the second uh, tier goalkeeper and he's not good enough, then uh, we have another discussion. But for now, uh, from all that I can assess, you know, seems to be a, a decent transfer, especially that he's joining on the free. And I'm pretty sure his wages aren't all that high either, compared to what uh, Roman Bürki and, and Marvin Hitz were were earning. I, I think this is one more on the on the uh, budget option and considering all the deals uh Dortmund are doing uh that's you know uh, <laughs> uh, very much on point uh, especially all the uh money that Dortmund have to send Marco Rose's way <laughs> so yeah all very interesting um but uh yeah other than that I don't really have much else to say Matthias are there any thoughts you still have that you feel like uh, you need to share or shall we end it here? Well, the only thing I want to share as far as uh, Sali Ochan goes is that should Dortmund decide after next season to part ways with Emre Can, Ochan uh, fills the same midfield type role at a considerably lower wage. So just putting that out there. Yeah. I mean, if you, you you know my opinion, for all I care, Emre Can can leave this summer. <laughs> you know, maybe he can go back to Frankfurt. Isn't he from Frankfurt? Maybe with the Champions League money, yes, they can sign yes. him. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. No, but obviously, sure. obviously not. But uh, yeah, I, that was just more tongue-in-cheek. But uh, yeah, uh, when, when it comes to rebuilding, I would very much prefer to rebuild without Emre Can. But that's just my personal opinion. Maybe now that I've said it, he will take off. Uh, under Eden Tessic and uh, you know we will just look back at all my bad takes <laughs> as per usual um, but yeah uh, obviously uh, exciting transfer and I, I think so far considering the, the, the transfers Dortmund have already made um, there is a lot of grounds for positivity and that things seemingly are going in, in the right direction now obviously uh, as someone said <laughs> to me on Twitter today yeah uh, that positivity will last exactly until the second match day away from home defeat. 
but uh, yeah, on that note, uh, Matthias, I think it's time to end the show. Please tell our listeners where to follow you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Matthiasuk. And you can follow me at Stefan Butzko. You can follow all of us on Yellow World Pods either at, on, on Twitter or uh, Facebook. If you want to uh, go to our website, go to theyellowwall.net. And I think there you can also find the link tree to every single podcast format. Uh, we also upload this podcast on uh, YouTube and pretty much every other podcatcher. And uh, once again, a special thanks to all of our patrons for uh, keeping this show running. Uh, thank you so much for your support. It is very much uh, yeah, appreciated. And uh, yeah, that's all from us for this week, Matthias. I hope you will feel better next week because we will have to talk about uh, the big goodbye to Schmelzer and Sorg and a very emotional last match day and maybe even more transfers, who knows, but uh, it will not get boring. So with that in mind, uh, as always, thank you all for listening and goodbye.